Welcome to the Gordon Asset Management Podcast, a show for savers, investors, and entrepreneurs. Helping you to stay informed, invest wisely, and achieve the unimaginable. Now, on to the show. Hello, hello, hello. This is Todd Zeppel, and you are listening to the Gordon Asset Management Podcast. As you know, from time to time, we like to invite smart people doing really interesting things to the show. And today is no different. Today, we invited Tom Snyder, who is executive director of the Raleigh Riot organization to the show. Now, Tom, I can talk for five minutes about all your accolades and what you're doing, but I think our listeners would rather hear that directly from you. If you could, let's just start by sharing a little bit about yourself and what Riot is, please. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, Todd. I'm Tom Snyder. I lead the Riot organization. I came up through the technology uh, industry, I suppose. I'm uh, an engineer by classical education, spent about 20 years in big multinational firms in primarily in mobile communications and in consumer electronics. Um, did a little bit of consulting here and there, but, uh, but really, you know, I, I learned how the world works through the, the lens of publicly held multinational companies. That was great in that I got to see the world. I worked on all kinds of really interesting projects that made you know, billions of dollars in revenue. Um, but it wasn't until uh, this, this second chapter of my life I'm in now that I realized that really at heart, I'm an entrepreneur. And I was an entrepreneur within those large organizations, often like driving change, trying to run various innovation and creativity initiatives, advanced research, other things. Uh, but uh, started Riot back in 2014, really to explore what I see as the next wave of the economy as we move from you know, the internet age, say, that we've been in the last 30 years to now uh, the data, what I call the data economy or the, the real-time uh, information analytics space, but to do it where we're supporting um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and startups and other people that, that maybe um, aren't looking for that traditional corporate job environment. We're kind of an interesting organization. We haven't found anybody quite like us yet, and I don't know if that's good or not, but um, but I'll take it. Um, Riot started as a meetup group. Uh, originally, it was the Raleigh Internet of Things is where the, the name Riot came from. It was an acronym in the early days. And we were looking at interesting technology tipping points that, that were happening in the semiconductor space and in wireless communications and in computation and cloud and you know a few other areas that that I believe were leading towards a fundamental change in the economy. And said, well that's a really kind of bold, silly thing to say. Let's set up this meetup group. We'll have some people come and and really, I you know, wanted to educate myself, and, and there were two other co-founders who were involved at the time. But, you know, we were trying to learn about the market in this emerging area that was called Internet of Things. Um, very quickly, what we found was that people started coming to us, to, you know, to these meetups, thinking that we were there to educate, when really we were there to learn. And, and that's when, you know, we had this realization that there was an unmet market need that organizations of all shapes and sizes 
most of which were who you would think are the technology experts. I won't call out anybody by name here, but, you know, big recognized household brands that you think of as technology leaders started, you know, they're coming to us asking for advice around their digital transformations. And so we said that that's kind of interesting. Let's turn this meetup into what looks a little bit more like a trade association um, and, and have companies join us and pay a membership fee for us to then go and scout and learn and, and, um, you know, advise back on kind of where, where industries are changing because of emerging technology. Um, we're not a 5013 sit. I'm sorry. I'll say that again. We are not a 501c6 trade association. We're a C3 nonprofit organization because what we found was that while we can do a little bit of advising and such, that's great. Really, our focus is on job creation and, and what I call job independence. You know, the ability to create new jobs, that's good for our economy. And the best jobs are created kind of where emerging technologies are happening, but also enabling people to be in control of their own destiny and to be their own boss. And so ultimately, Riot is involved in two or three key areas. So back to your question of who Riot is, we're, we remain a convener, you know, back to our old meetup roots. We, uh, I think in 2020, held about 70 events virtually around the country. In 2019, when the world was still in person, we ran about 90 events around the United States bringing people together for the purpose of, of education and network building uh, and business development is kind of an outcome of that. Uh, and then we also are educators most well known for running an equity free, excuse me, running an equity free startup accelerator in two cities in North Carolina. And we're expanding this year uh, into additional cities in Virginia and in Colorado. All right. So let me get this straight. A bunch of Raleigh, cyberpunks, quote unquote, getting together, likely over frosty cold beverages, talking about new and interesting technology, taking that and evolving that into the startup ecosystem. Did I get that right? Is, is that essentially how things played out? Yeah, absolutely. Even down to the beverages, you know, every, every riot, we hold our events riots, we, you know, we always have at least one beer sponsor, which is a kind of a, a fun side note. It's not about that, but I will say of the 25 or 30 patents that, that I have to my name, at least half of those ideas I'm sure came over a drink. Wow. That's a lot of patents and quite a few drinks too. <laughs> Are most of your patents in the internet of things space? Uh, most of the, the time when I was in that kind of invention and creation mode was earlier in my career. And most of them are in mobile telephony in some way or another. Got it. That's good to know. Now being involved in creating new technologies and in this startup ecosystem, it sounds like you have a little bit of an entrepreneurial streak in you, uh, which is something that I'm passionate about working with entrepreneurs and, and defending the free market system. Uh, it, it sounds like you're also a fan of this system. Is that correct? I, I am. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that. I believe that, um, you know, the future moves at the pace of technology to some degree, but also at the pace of business. And, and we're very much in, in the business of helping private enterprises move forward. Uh, but I'm also a little bit of a realist in that I would, I would argue that 
there are very few free markets. Um, you know, healthcare is a great example. You know, I, I believe that the best healthcare solutions are going to be pushed forward by private industry, but that there will never be a direct financial ROI for solving rare disease, for example, just as the market isn't big enough to offset that cost. And so um, when you're in these complicated markets, to be successful in private industry requires a lot of collaboration and a lot of connections back to you know, regulatory bodies or to government or to researchers and academic institutions. And so a, a fundamental part of, I believe, why Riot has been successful is we're really good at helping people to build out those professional networks, both in in pure private free market space, if you will, as well as within, you know, regulatory agencies and so on, um, in a way that kind of all sides benefit. Now, Tom, I'd like to switch gears just a little bit. So obviously Riot is this organization. You have research labs and a startup accelerator, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have any real success stories of, of individuals or companies coming out of uh, this this riot ecosystem to become successful businesses. Yeah, we, we, we're really excited, and and I want to be careful here and not take the credit for the success of these companies. Right, companies sure. that have done very well out of our program, they they deserve all the credit for. First off, just taking the chance. Right, it's really risky to start a new business, and it, it takes a leap of faith and so on. But but over the years, we we started right in 2014. And initially, when we were working with entrepreneurs and startups, we were doing it kind of one on one. Uh, and it took us a few years to wise up that that wasn't real efficient. So around 2018, early 2018, we moved into more of a cohort style approach where we're working with groups of startups all at the same time, doing some parallel processing to, to get you know more people in the door, more people out the door. Um, if you take a look at those two periods together, uh, we can account for companies that we've worked with creating more than um, 700, uh, I think over 750 jobs now, uh, raising north of $400 million in outside investor capital. Uh, we are not investors, but, but we're well-connected in that industry and, and, and are happy to help with introductions and, and driving you know hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue as well. So a lot of success. Um, I... Um, don't necessarily like to, you know, pick winners and losers or anything here, but but I'll give you a variety of just the different kinds of companies we work with that have done really well. Uh, everything from an industry that I never knew existed. Uh, we work with a company called Campana that is in pet cremation. I, you know, who knew? I knew a lot of people have pets, but you never think about end of life management for a pet and what that means and how. When a pet dies, it creates a precipitous drop-off in customer, uh, obviously an immediate customer engagement for a veterinary clinic, but that vet clinic doesn't always get that customer back when a family gets a, a new pet. And so, you know, a company that has done very well and created a lot of jobs here in North Carolina is based out of Sanford, and they had developed a completely environmentally friendly pet cremation system, but applied some digital technologies and other things to really strengthen that, that uh, repeat uh, business cycle of a pet owner that loses a pet in a very, uh, that's a very difficult time. And then suddenly re-engaging with the vet clinic again with that next pet and, and so on. So, you know, 
anything from there to more traditional companies that are doing, you know, enterprise software solutions and, and things that you read about in the paper every day. That's very cool. Um, you know, I, one of the things I really like about my job, um, so, so we're a wealth management firm, right? But about half of our business is serving uh, retirement plans for companies. And, and through that, we get to see all these really nuanced and interesting uh, jobs that people have and, and things that people create and do. You know, one of my favorite stories is this company that produced uh, the little plastic end caps to go on mattresses, right? And you don't even think that something like that even exists. You don't even realize that it's there, but it's this successful business uh, that affords the the owners of the company a very nice lifestyle and, and supports the lives of all the workers. There, there's you know millions of ways to make money, and, and one of the things that I learn more and more every year is the importance of what I call plumbing companies, which are you know, those companies that are behind the scenes doing something that you never even think about, like the example you just gave with the mattress end caps. Like, there are so many things that are not that sexy, but because of that, there's very little competition and you can just dominate a market. And it's really fascinating. You know, you never think about that little end cap on that mattress until you start getting some damaged product and shipping because it wasn't protected correctly. And all of a sudden you got a problem, right? Um, so anyway, now Tom being located here in the triangle region of North Carolina, it feels like we're in the right place at the right time, right? There's all this new technology budding, uh, big companies are moving in, many tech jobs are moving in and, and there's a, this really healthy startup ecosystem as well. What do you think it is about this area that, uh, makes this the, the, the perfect breeding ground for the new companies and new technology? I'll argue that there's no bigger driver of the economy than technology, not, not just now, but throughout all of history, you know, that the way people live was fundamentally changed by the discovery of fire and then the invention of currency and, and on and on, you know, technology after technology. Um, and, and this is a, a, you know, a tech center that has a lot of technology going on. So that's a piece of it. I think the other piece though, is that diversity really matters. There's, there's a lot of discussion certainly in the national dialogue over the last 12 months about diversity, when you look at racial diversity and gender diversity and all the kinds of things, but, but industry diversity is also really important. Um, and so when you look at diversity across lots of different factors, you know, this is not a state, North Carolina is not a state that's dominated by just med devices or oil and gas or a single industry. And, and that's really good. And it's also a state that, has quite honestly a lot of immigration happening, uh, not just international immigration, but immigration from California and from New York and from other places. And so we have this incredible diversity of talent coming in, different perspectives and viewpoint coming into the region, as well as strong technology base in terms of you know the SASs and the IBMs and the Red Hats and the Cisco's and the other you know very very large players in the area that you think of as tech companies, um, and then you've got an incredible education system that's just churning out people and and all those things come together to just ha have a higher mix of the ingredients that you need to be successful than just about any other place in the country or in the world to be honest. So Tom, we have the right people. We're in the right place. Uh, but it also feels like now is the right time. Uh, there's a lot of smart people that have talked about 
the fact that we're going through this fourth industrial revolution right now, uh, the World Economic Forum has put out a lot of information on this as well. Uh, does it feel like we're in the midst of this perfect time as well? There's no question. If you think about industrial revolutions, you know, World Economic Forum is claiming this is number four that we're at the start of. Uh, in all of history, four times, right? So you've got uh, you know, steam power that, that turned us from an agrarian society to one that was largely developed uh, by mass production. And, you know, and that created urbanization and the rise of cities and, you know, fundamentally changed the game. Electricity was the second uh, industrial revolution. We're not going back to a life before electricity. Nobody wants that. Uh, you know, the third was was the information age, information technology and the transistor, uh, which led then to, you know, the Internet and mobile phones and, and information at our fingertips. What's fundamentally different this time is that we're not talking about real time information, which means what Google did, right? They cataloged everything and in a quick search, you can find whatever you need at the moment. The data economy in this fourth industrial revolution is really about in real time, collecting data from anywhere on this planet and in real time, deciding what that data means and automating what happens as a result. So it's completely automating crop production. It's automating transportation through autonomous vehicles. It's, um, it's something that is going to take, like the information age, it's going to take multiple decades to really play out, but it's going to change every single industry. So if you're an investor that's looking at a, you know, a little bit longer game, there is no better time to be investing in data technologies, artificial intelligence, machine learning, on and on. Uh, than right now. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start a new career, it's early days, right? This is when new industries happen and there are hundreds of competitors. And over the next couple of decades, you know, those will consolidate over time into a small number of, of big players like we've seen uh, in in the tech sector over and over again. But But this is, to me, the most fun part because it's the beginning. Now, this is obviously all very exciting stuff. Internet of Things, big data, real-time data collection. Um, now, my concern is that, and I think a lot of people share this concern, is is around privacy. Um, how do we reconcile this technological fourth industrial revolution with personal privacy and, and, and personal rights? I think there's two things that we need to do. One is privacy and security get lumped together a lot in discussion. And we need to stop doing that. Security, you know, cybersecurity um, is largely a technology solution that you need to put in place. If you think about, you know, you could put, you know, a bank could put your money in a little lockbox or could put it in a vault, right? That's just a higher level of technology, a stronger protection. But privacy is a business decision. It's not a technology decision. Privacy is you as a business trying to decide what is the right way to use your customer's information. And we have seen many, many companies that are not doing a very good job of this right now. And, um, and unfortunately, a lot of those and, and a trend that we've seen in the tech sector is, well, I'm not going to charge you any money, right? It doesn't cost you anything to do that Google search or to have your Facebook account or whatever it is. Um, and in return, 
I'm going to collect all this information and as a business, I'm going to use it however I want. And that's really a betrayal of trust of the audience. So the audience bought into it real easy because they didn't have to spend any money and that made it easy to, to engage with these big companies. I think we're going to see that change going forward in that you're going to start seeing market pushback from end users and consumers saying, we need to take control of my information. We're working with a startup uh, right here in, in Raleigh called Round right now, R-O-W-N-D, if anybody wants to look them up, that has a really interesting play for managing data for enterprise clients in a way that then every end user can decide for themselves how that information is going to be used. Uh, so I think that's one thing that, that we're going to see happen is we need to think about privacy in bigger business terms and start you know, respecting client data more. And if companies don't do it themselves, you know, the public needs to push back. The second thing that I think is really important to this discussion is we need uh, to see more people hired into these technology organizations that are not from a technical background. Um, the, the last number of years, particularly software as a service style companies, are the first companies that were able to build with almost entirely just pure technical teams, minimal people in other kinds of business functions and other things because software scales so efficiently. It doesn't, you don't have to build a manufacturing line or a supply chain or all these other things. And, and that lack of diversity on the teams has resulted in a lack of diversity into product specification decisions and other kinds of things. And, and my, I'm hopeful that the tech sector is going to start hiring more diversity into their tech teams, but also more uh, social science and humanities viewpoints into their teams to think about a little bit more holistically about their products going forward to be more respectful of privacy. Uh, in the meantime, though, it, you know, absent some government regulation coming in, which I don't see uh, happening very quickly in the U.S., um, you know, it, it, it's a problem. You rightly call it out as such. Yeah, and I, I think decades from now, people are going to look back at the things that we're doing now, and it, it's, they're going to be thought of very much like the Wild West. You know, back in the days, you know, rub some cocaine on your toothache, you have a cough, take some heroin, uh, you know, bloodletting, all, all those ridiculous practices of the days of, of yore. Yeah, Europe's ahead of the U.S. in this area, and it, but I but I think that particularly with the current administration, that we're going to start to to follow Europe's lead. I think. Now, Tom, looking out over the horizon, what are some of the things that you find really interesting and exciting? What what gets you up in the morning? The, the thing I get most excited about is just problem solving. It, it probably because I'm an engineer. You know, that was what I tr was trained to do: was go out and use engineering to solve problems. Um, the technologies that create the most excitement in the long term are the ones that we aren't even thinking about them as technology. So think about, for example, when capacitive touch was developed, yeah, that was a really cool technology, but we didn't realize it was going to make it so easy to interact on our screens and, and to be able to swipe and select by just touching things. Like that's really cool. But nobody, when you're playing with your smartphone thinks, Oh, this is great capacitive touch, right? We've got, cool blockchain and augmented reality and you know all, all these buzzwords that are the new technologies that right now we're deploying to prove that we can do them you know 
hey, we made this cool smart refrigerator and the, you know, but why is my refrigerator talking to the internet? Like when we start thinking a little bit less about technology specifically and more about problem solving, oh, my refrigerator talks to the internet because it can do this, this, and this autonomously such that I'm not even thinking of it as a smart refrigerator. I'm just thinking of it as a refrigerator. Like that's what I'm most excited about. Um, I don't know if that fully answers your question or not, but uh, yeah, I think that's an idea. Now, Tom, if people want to learn more about Riot, where should we direct them? We are happy to, to meet with anyone, whether you're an entrepreneur, thinking about you know your next step, or maybe a mid-career, trying to think about how do you want to you know take the second half of your career. If you were looking for something different than the first half, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, we work a lot with municipal governments. Uh, corporations sponsor us and enable us to provide all of our services completely free, uh, particularly to, in, in smaller and rural communities to underserved demographics. You know, we'd love to talk to sponsors. Best way to reach us is just to come to riot.org is our website. Um, you can find us at riot on social on various social media platforms, engage there. Um, or my email is tom at riot.org. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Tom. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. As Tom mentioned, if you'd like more information about Riot, you can visit their website, riot.org. Thanks a lot, Tom. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to click subscribe. Gordon Asset Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit wealthqb.com. The information in this podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Gordon Asset Management LLC, its producers, hosts, or guests. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Gordon Asset Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.